Hi, this is Scott Galloway, NYU professor, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and the host of the PropG Markets podcast. For nearly two years, PropG Markets has brought listeners unfiltered analysis on high-flying stocks, burgeoning sectors, stupid acquisitions, and master of the universe CEOs. Starting May 20th, PropG Markets is launching a new feed with two episodes per week. What a thrill! The good news? I know how to get your rich. The answer... It's on Prop G Markets. Don't miss out. Listen and subscribe to Prop G Markets wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right. The UFC's final pay-per-view event of 2020 goes on tomorrow night in Las Vegas. And for the second consecutive pay-per-view, the UFC Flyway title, a division that not too long ago seemed like it was heading for extinction that title will be on the line in the main event as we welcome you to a very special preview show, getting you ready for UFC 256 right here on MAFighting.com. I am Mike Hack, being joined by a very special guest, UFC welterweight contender, broadcaster, Sasquatch expert, amongst many other <laughs> yeah. things, Michael I'm Chiesa. All, I'm a jack of all trades. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. So yep. first off, for a card that has been hampered with injuries and positive tests and all sorts of crazies. I mean, there were three other title fights on this card at one point before all the, the chaos ensued, considering all that's kind of fallen off here, top to bottom, this is a really strong way to end the pay-per-view calendar year. Is it not? Yeah, it really is. And what I like is it's highlighting a lot of the up and coming prospects, you know, and I, when I say prospects, when it comes to the flyweight title, it's like the flyweight title 2.0. It's like, a, it's got a second shot of life even though it was already polarizing before he had the most dominant champion of all time in Demetrius Johnson running that division, you know, Henry Cejudo took it over, um, but at the end of DJ's title reign, but it's like a new, it's like a new revived flyweight division. Uh, and then you got guys like Rafael Fazeev on the card versus Moicano. You got Dern, you got, it, it's just good top to bottom and it's a lot of fresh faces. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited to watch on Saturday night for sure. Well, let's start with with the main event. We get Davis and Figueiredo returns after a first round finish of Alex Perez in his title defense at UFC 255. This is three weeks ago, defending against Brandon Moreno, who also got a first round finish three weeks ago against Brandon Royval. So this is the shortest turnaround for both champion and challenger in UFC history. I have to know, Michael, as a fighter, before we actually get into like the ins and outs of the fight, how did you react when you found out that these guys are just going to turn right back around and and fight for a world title three weeks after they just fought? It's funny you say that. I knew this was going to happen when Moreno won. When Moreno won the fight, I literally, I was watching the fights with my fiance and I said, watch, they're going to book Davidson and Moreno for the title fight for December 12th because we've known that they we didn't have a main event then. It was literally just an empty slot. And, I, you know, and, and no, no disrespect to Alex Perez. Alex Perez is super tough. Um, but I, I had a feeling that Davidson was going to have, have his way that night. Um, and, and I, I turned out to be, I turned out to be Nostradamus. I was like, dude, look what I, I told you, I told you this was going to happen. Um, but it, you know what? It's, it's a perfect, this has been a year for breaking records. I mean, the UFC has broken records in great ways and bad ways. You know, we've lost, you know, with everything that went on with the pandemic, um, they've made the most of it. We've seen guys, we're about to see Kevin Holland, maybe get his fifth win, um, of the calendar year. You know, just a lot of weird records have been broken this year. And this is one of them, you know, you had Hamza Chemayev's fast turnaround, um, you know, the three fights in the short span that he had, and then you got, you know, to, to cap it off. What This is like the perfect way to end this year for the UFC. <laughs> it's very 2020. Oh, dude, it's so 2020. Sorry. I had to, 
it disappeared. Can you still see me? Yeah, we got you. So, we got sorry, you. So I, I had to decline a call. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I just, I love this fight. And I think it's just, it's the perfect way to end this year. You know what I mean? Like you might as well have these guys turn around and break another record, another UFC record, you know? So it's, it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Figueredo because, you know, like you said, this is kind of like flyweight 2.0. This is a guy who is not just getting wins, but he is violently finishing people very, very quickly. And there's this kind of thing about Davis and Figueredo that people keep I keep seeing on Twitter that Figueredo is a first round fighter. If you can get out of the first round, he's going to gas out and he's going to get tired. Like I keep seeing this, but I haven't seen any proof of this, Michael. Like, have you seen this as well? Uh, no, I have not, you know, and it, it it's, it's just kind of what comes with a guy that's such a finisher. You just automatically assume that this guy can't fight out of the first round. Um, but I think that Davidson, you know, he's, he's a mature fighter. He's gotten to where he's at for a reason. And I think that he's got, he's more than a one round wonder. I think that this guy could be something really special and we're going to find out because this is where Moreno shines. We feel as the masses, the people that I've talked to, we've all said the same thing. Like, Hey, Moreno gets out of the first round. This could be a very interesting fight, but getting out of the first round with Davidson Figueiredo is no joke. You know what I mean? It's like, it's easier said than done. So, um, you know, I think that a lot of, a lot of things are going to be answered on Saturday. I think that we're going to find out if he is a five round fighter or if, if the fight doesn't go five rounds, let's say, you know, ends in two, three, four, whenever we're going to see if this guy can fight outside the first round. Uh, but I, you know, so you don't become a UFC champion for no reason. I believe this guy trains like a champion. I believe this guy will be ready for, for whatever comes his way. Um, it's really exciting to see flyweight start to gain some traction because I feel like some of the best athletes we've seen in the UFC, some of the best fighters, they've all kind of hovered around that 125, 135 pound weight class. So, uh, it, it's a really exciting time for the flyweight division. I feel like we're starting to get to know figure it a little bit more. We're, we're learning a little bit about some of the odd jobs he's had. He's been a sushi chef. He's been a, you know, a, 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 like a hairdresser. He's done all sorts of these different things. We're finally starting to see his personality shine. And then you have Brandon Moreno, who is just the happiest guy in the world. Like at, at the stare down, Figueredo is doing the whole neck thing. And Moreno just smiles and laughs it off. It's like <laughs> such a contrast of personalities. But yeah. Moreno has been so impressive. And a lot of people felt like, and this is no disrespect to Alex Perez, because like you said, he's a very tough guy. He's a very good fighter. But a lot of people felt when Cody Garbrandt dropped off, Brandon Moreno should have been the guy to fight for the title to begin with. So what kind of chance do you think he has in this fight? Like, how do you think he matches up with Figueredo compared to maybe Perez or, or Joseph Benavides? You know, this is what's interesting about this is it's, it's all going to boil down to Moreno being a gritty guy. You know what I mean? Like we all talk about how funny and how bubbly his personality is. He's such a joy to be around him. He's just a happy guy. He emits nothing but great energy, but it's going to boil down to grit. You know what I mean? We got to see if, if he can take the punishment that Davidson puts out there and, and, and we're, it's still kind of like, I feel like the, the flyweight divisions kind of like when I say it's 2.0, now we're starting to like, we don't have a lot of these. I don't, we don't have a lot of answers for the questions we have in terms of like, you know, what Davidson can do outside of the first round. What does Moreno bring to the table outside of his great character that offers the champion a threat? You know, before we kind of could predict these things, we kind of knew how Cejudo or, or Mighty Mouse would go, or, you know, it, it was kind of easier to predict where now it's like, it's a total new set of problems for anybody that's got to fight this guy. Um, but, you know, we're going to find out. I think that, that Brandon's got to be, that the, the hard thing about this fight is you got to just find a way to get out of the first round without evading the guy. You know what I mean? You're, you're going to have to deal with some firepower coming from it. You're going to get in a firefight a little bit, but you're going to have to move around a lot to get out of the first round and to start to take over where you think that he can do best. And that is where, or where I think he can do best, which would be 
you know, the later rounds of the fight. So it, it's, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough first half of the fight for Moreno, but if he can get past that, I think that he can really make this a close fight and possibly win a decision. I think that that would be his best path to victory. I don't know how much you talk about or think about like the awards that we do at the end of the year, like fighter of the year yeah. and stuff. Like if Davis Figueroa wins on Saturday, there's no doubt about it. He's the fighter of the year. I mean, there's, it's a no brainer at this point Four and oh, new champ defended it twice, especially the last three weeks, getting two title events. Like he's the fighter of the year. What if Brandon Moreno wins? Does That's, he get it on? Yeah. There's got, then it's the Brandon Moreno award. You think <laughs> so? Like, I don't know. You got to come up with something, man, because this is going to be, these are the types of scenarios where really special things can happen. You know what I mean? It's like when, like when Holly Holm knocked out Ronda Rousey, there was something in the air, you know, there's something, there was some type of mystique about this event that kind of made you feel like, 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 uh, the Holly Holm had a chance where I kind of get the same sensation from Moreno. I'm like stepping, you know, it, it's a big, it's a, they're both breaking a record fastest turnaround for a champ, fastest turnaround for a contender. Um, you know, it's the perfect way to, to end the pay-per-view season for 2020. But if Moreno pulls it off, which I just I have this weird inclination, like the, I, I got to be around the guy a little bit. And it, before before his last fight, I got to be around him a little bit. And there's just something about him, man. He, we all say that we that, that Davidson's got that it factor for being a champion. I feel like Moreno does, too. You know what I mean? A champion doesn't always have to be some rigid killer. There's nothing wrong with a champion being a happy, likable guy. You know what I mean? And he's got the skills to match there's a reason why we wanted to put him in the title fight with Davidson in the first place before they gave it to Perez. Obviously there's something there. So I think that there could something really special could happen on Saturday night. And I think it happens no matter who wins, it's going to be something special regardless Davidson being the fastest champion to turn around and win a fight. But if Moreno pulls it off, I mean, that's like nothing we've never seen before. It would be the best. It'd be the ultimate way to end 2020. And we still have a sick main event the next weekend. So Man, I could go on and on about this. I'm just super excited about this main event. It's going to be really fun, really fun fight for the flyweight division and for the fans. Do you have a Do you have a pick here? What's your gut telling you? Man, it's. Uh, <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta go for Moreno here, man. I just there's Davidson's the dominant champion. If he does, does Davidson win? There's a really good chance he wins. Do I think that's the most highly likely, most probable outcome of the fight? Yes, I do. But something, just something in my guts, like give, give this kid a chance. I'm going to pick Moreno. And if he does it, it's going to be in the late rounds. Probably a decision. I'm a gut picker too, man. Like sometimes you just feel it and it's just, there's no technical breakdown reason for it. It's just something you feel right. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to, when these guys are turning around like this, it, it makes it more of a coin flip. In my opinion, when, when guys get eight to 12 weeks to prepare for each other and you get more time to kind of dissect it where it's like these guys, like you don't really have a camp to train for your opponent. You're just maintaining what you have and going into it. You know what I mean? So it becomes a little more of a coin flip in my opinion, but nonetheless, it's going to be exciting. Both guys got a good, good path to victory. Moreno's is definitely going to be a lot harder, but something about it tells me the, 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 uh, the Mexican McLovin's going to get it done. <laughs> I love that. that I that love that it too. <laughs> and that's the main event before that happens. Tony Ferguson is going to fight Charles, Charles Oliveira in the co-main event. Like this is unbelievable. This, I, I wish, I wish a co-main, if there's one co-main event, I'd like to see for 25 minutes. This would be the one I'd like to see for 25 minutes. The word that I keep hearing a lot, Michael is crossroads. Like this is a crossroads fight for Tony Ferguson. Like if he wins, 
you know, off to the races once again. But if he loses, that's two straight. He got beat up pretty badly by Justin Gaethje. Do you feel like this is a crossroads fight for Tony Ferguson, or do you think we're kind of kind of giving it too much stock based on the Gaethje fight? I don't think it's a crossroads fight. A guy like Tony Ferguson, even if he comes up short against Oliveira, he's still a guy that could lose two in a row and go on some crazy win streak. And I know people say he's 36 years old. He's been in some crazy wars. But this is Tony Ferguson we're talking about. This guy's an anomaly when it comes to toughness and durability and just being just an all-around badass fighter. I mean, that sounds kind of like a like a poor term, poor terminology to staple onto Tony, but it's true. The guy is the epitome of just a badass. like 12 fight win streak. His style is so dynamic. He can submit you. He can strike with you. He can wrestle you. He can blend it all together and put his own flair on it with the Granby rolls and the Iminari rolls and the spinning elbows. I mean, the versatility of his attacks, it's insane, but I don't really think this is a crossroads fight. And, and, uh, you know, he's got, he's going to have his hands full. Charles Oliveira is no joke, man. He's, uh, He's a guy who's, he's almost like, he, he has a lot of similarities to Tony's style. And they're so similar in a sense. They almost have the same face. I saw a meme the other day where somebody swapped out the top halves of their face and they looked like the same guy because they got like the same cheekbones, the same facial structure. But back to the, back to the meat and potatoes, Charles Oliveira, he's got a versatility in terms of his weapons. He's the all-time submission leader in the UFC. He's the all-time bonus leader in the UFC. Um, I hope I'm not wrong on those. Like I said, I didn't prepare for this, but uh, I don't think this is a crossroads fight for Tony. I just, I, I just feel like he, even if he loses to Charles Oliveira, he's still a guy that can turn around and get on a win streak. And I have high hopes for Tony to win this fight because I believe if Tony can go out and put Charles Oliveira away, I believe there's still hope for a Habib Tony Ferguson fight. And I'm really, I'm really banking on that. Like I'm really banking on Tony winning. So hopefully we can see this be, this is, even though he lost to, to Justin Gaethje, there's still some luster to a Habib, Tony Ferguson fight, just for the fact we were supposed to see it five times and it never happened. So he goes down and beats Charles Oliveira. We could potentially see Habib versus Tony Ferguson for Habib's 30th fight for the fight that fans have wanted. If this doesn't happen, Mike, they're going to make a 30 for 30 about the greatest fight that never happened. They have to, it really is, dude. It's like, I, I told when, when the fight fell through during the pandemic, I told, I told my fiance, my, my confidant, I'm like, you know, if this, now that this fight's not being made a fifth time, it's going to be, a, we're only going to get a 30 for 30. We're going to get a 30 for 30 in 10 years about the fight that never happened. But back to the point, Tony Ferguson, this is not a crossroads fight for him. Dana White said something pretty interesting today when he spoke with the media after the weigh-ins because I think one of the big questions heading into this fight is how much did that beating affect Tony Ferguson? Because Tony landed some great shots too, but he just has a chin on him. He took a lot of big, big shots against Justin Gaethje. That was one factor heading in. Dana White feels that him cutting weight for the card that never happened and then cutting it again the second time for the Gaethje fight, he feels like he didn't want to take anything away from Gaethje, but in a way he kind of did. He feels that that was a big factor in why Ferguson didn't have the performance that a lot of people expected him to have. Do you agree with that at all? Do you, do you think there's some solace to that? Yeah. I mean, I, I do. I do agree with that. I think that had Tony Ferguson not done the double cut, not Sometimes he can be too big of a badass for his own good. You know what I mean? The double weight cuts, like, that didn't do him any favors. Um, as a guy, I know Tony, I mean, he won the ultimate fighter at 170 pounds. 
you know, he's, he's, he's not the biggest 155er, but he's definitely not small. He's got a big frame. I think that that's not this, that's not the smartest thing, but then you got to turn around and say this, what's the difference between Davidson and, and Moreno? I mean, they're going to turn around in three weeks and they both have to cut to make 125 pounds. I don't feel like that question can be answered until we get done with this weekend. If you think about it just off the top of my head, it's like, okay, we're going to see Tony without the double cut, but we're going to see in the main event, two guys that are essentially that's the same turnaround that Tony had. He, he cut weight and then fought three weeks later. That that's, that was the correct timeline, right? Yep. Well, we're, that question is not going to be answered until we get done with Saturday night. You know what I mean? What happens if Davidson, I think Davidson's a bigger flyweight, not trying to go backtrack and going back to the main event, but it's like, what if Davidson shits the bed and Tony does really good? You know what I mean? Then, then I think that question will be answered, but I, I, I believe the weight cut definitely affected him. But is that totally true? We're, we're not going to know until Saturday night. And then on Charles Oliveira's part, this is a guy that went on some big streaks, did well at, you know, 45 just became too much for him, went up to 55. And it seems like every time he got a big opportunity, he just came up short. Paul Felder, that fight kind of really sticks out to me. But since then, seven wins in a row, gets a main event fight against Kevin Lee. We were wondering, is this the one? Can he finally get over the hump? And he puts Kevin Lee away in Brazil after Kevin Lee missed weight. So it's like the best case scenario possible for, for all parties involved. That was a very impressive performance. Do you think like this is that that's it? That was the fight he needed to to really take him off? Or do you just think like maybe Kevin Lee just had a rough night? Like, how do you sort of view Charles Oliveira? I definitely think Charles Oliveira has gotten over the hump. And I think he did that with the Kevin Lee fight. Um you know, I know that like back, back when I look back on my career, I came up short in those pivotal fights. I lost to Masvidal. Then I came up short to Lozon. And it's like that you need that signature win to get you over the hump. And look, he's beat a lot of good guys, but the Kevin Lee fight, that's the fight that will put you over the hump. Like the fans have already looked at him as a, as a, you know, a guy that's, this is a top contender. This is a top 10 guy. You go out and beat Kevin Lee the way you do, the way that he did. I mean, that, that now you start talking titles. Now you start thinking like this guy, this guy's a contender. This guy's a perennial contender. This guy can challenge a top five guy and beat him. You know what I mean? He's got a lot of weapons and he's changed up a lot of things in this, in his training camp. I know that he spends time with Diego Lima down at shoot box. Uh, I don't know if he was doing that before the Paul Felder fight, but I know that he attributes a lot of his recent success to the time that he's spending down there. Um, and he's definitely refocused. I mean, the best we've seen him is at 155 pounds. I mean, he is just, the guy is stellar. Uh, he's got a, he has somewhat of a similar style to Tony. He'll, he'll throw some spinning attacks on the feet. Um, in terms of the ground game, Tony's a 10th planet guy. So you see a little more intricacies with the Imanari rolls and the leg locks and whatnot. But Charles Oliveira is like a rat trap with submissions. Like he just slams them on you. And like, there's, it's like, there is a certain level of finesse to it, but when he applies a submission, it's very violent. Like when he lock, when he locks in a triangle, it's like a rat trap slamming on the back of a guy's neck. And he cinches up these great, these triangles, these guillotines, the calf slicers. He's got a versatile attack, but it's like, it's, it's Tony's is, has a little more funk. Whereas I feel like Oliveras is a little more violent, um, but he's just a versatile guy. These guys can, both of these guys can win this fight anywhere it takes place. They can, either of them can knock each other out. Either of them can submit each other. I think this is the best possible, most exciting fight you can make for Tony Ferguson right now, outside of a title fight with Justin Gaethje or Habib Nurmagomedov. Completely agree. You know that Tony Ferguson is going to try to bring that dog out of Charles Oliveira. We haven't really seen Oliveira in a dog fight like that, like 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 anybody would get have fighting a guy like Tony Ferguson. So that's going to be interesting. What do you think? 
who gets their hand raised. You got a pick on this one? Yeah, Tony. Tony, 100%. Tony, I just, there's no way. I just think the guy's too resilient. He's too, he's so mentally tough. And uh, I think that him, I think that he's going to get what he wants finally if he wins this fight. And it's, he, it's like he doesn't even want it anymore. He's been talking all week about not caring about the title you know, that it was just a wet dream or whatever that means. <laughs> but I think that now that he's just not dwelling on getting that title fight, I think he's finally going to get it. And he's got a tall order. He's really, Charles is tough. He can win this fight anywhere. And Tony, the one thing that, that, that worries me sometimes, it's like you, sometimes he's got to eat one to wake up. And then when he eats a, eats a hard punch, all of a sudden he's in the fight. And it's just like, you don't want to do that with Charles Oliveira, but one thing that Tony does right in the, in, in the, if there's anybody that's been preparing for a pandemic as long as Tony has, they're, they're, they'd be lying because this guy's been doing his own camps for a long time. And one thing that I know that he doesn't do a lot is there's not a ton of sparring. So when people want to worry about the fight with Justin Gaethje and maybe him losing that durability and that chin that's, that has gotten him this far in his career, I don't think that's going to be the case at all because Tony's not a guy that he doesn't spar a ton. He didn't spar for the Anthony Pettis fight. He said he didn't even start. He finally started sparring. He quit sparring from Glayson Tebow up until the Gaethje fight, I believe. You know what I mean? And it's like, look at what he did in between that time and in between that time frame. So I'm going with Tony, man. I think El Kukui is going to come back and I'm banking on him coming back, getting this win, finishing Oliveira and give us the fight that the fans deserve. We want Khabib and Ferguson. We want it. You're selling me on this one, but I'm almost, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm, but I'm also intrigued about this thirty for thirty, Mike. As long as you're involved in it, maybe you're, vo- you're, you're the voiceover guy. Oh, I got to. I got it. There's nobody I'm else. Gonna, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna narrate that story while I'm drinking a scotch and smoking a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the co-main event. Then we got yep. Mackenzie Dern, Verna, uh, Verna Jandaroba on the main card, Kevin Holland versus Jacare Souza, Junior Dos Santos versus Surreal Ghana. I have to ask you, Mike, before I let you go, I appreciate you joining me. What fight is comes to mind that you're really excited about on this card that just isn't getting the love that it deserves? What's kind of your under the radar fight for this card tomorrow night? I got to say Fazeev and Moicano. I mean, Moicano's still young in his UFC career, but I mean, Fazeev in that last fight against Mark Dioxy, he looked amazing. And this guy's got horsepower. He can punch. You block his punches, you're still getting dropped. I mean, the guy's just a spark plug. And, uh, you know, he's got a great dance partner in Moicano, real sharp striker, a lot more. It's like, it's like accuracy versus horsepower. And I'm really excited to watch it. So it's a good card top to bottom. And uh, I appreciate you for having me on. Sorry, I'm not in the office, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad I got to make this the short notice call to come uh, to come talk about these fights with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, what, one last thing before you go, because people are going to harp on me if I don't ask you this. How are we feeling? When are we uh, when We're are we thinking about getting back in there? We're good. We got a date. We got an opponent. I just can't say anything. We're good. But I'm in training camp right now. And uh, yeah, I, you'll see me in the first quarter in 2021. You happy with the matchup? You like it? Love the matchup. I'm excited to come back, man. Uh, it's been a very tumultuous year, uh, as it has for everybody. You know what I mean? It's been very challenging. Uh, surgeries sucked. Injuries sucked. Pandemics sucked. But I'm back, man. I'm back. I'm in shape. Um, I'm, I'm literally in the middle of training camp. So I'm sure as more things, I'm already getting my 
Oh, I, I was just going to say something to give it away. Let's just say you'll see me in the first quarter of 2021. <laughs> well, I'm back, baby. I'm excited. I'm ready to make a run at the title, man. I want to get my first four fight win streak in the UFC. And I got a hell of a dance partner to do it. So yeah, I'm pumped. All right. Well, Michael, appreciate the time. Of course, follow us on MMA fighting all night tomorrow night. We will have you covered from the first fight at 7:30 PM Eastern standard time, chase Hooper versus Peter Barrett. Then we go to ESPN two. Then we go to ESPN plus pay-per-view and it all ends with the flyaway title fight between Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno from Michael Chiesa. I am Mike Keck. Thank you for watching and we will see you tomorrow night. You're listening to the Vox media podcast network.